0: Take your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. When you get there, you're going to think, wait wait a minute, this is an odd passage to preach on a day like this? Why are days like this so important? 55 years. We look back at what God has done to thank him. God has given us different things in Scripture that demonstrate that, of the memorials that he rises up and looking back at the, the miracles that he has done. But it's to remind us that God is faithful, that what God has done, he'll continue to do because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't stop. God is for us. He's working in us and, and everything that we see around us in this world is crazy. But God has a plan for this generation to be right where we're at right now. It's not an accident. It's not, God's not sitting back saying, whoa, what was COVID and why is that happening in a time like this? In this story right here, which is very familiar, you've got to understand everything that was going on. So there was a battle going on that was extremely important. Satan has a goal to divide. That's what he does. Let me tell you, we've got to be careful to understand the strategy of Satan when he tries to divide husband and wives, divide family from their children, to divide church family. Be careful when you see division, know that Satan is present. That's how he works. This story is about division. You don't hear people talk about this, but it's described in this. There is this mountain ridge in in, in Israel that had Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and Hebron. It was on the eastern border. On the other side was the Mediterranean Sea. And then they had this open plain. And in the middle of this area, there was this big coastal plain next to the Mediterranean uh, Sea that was called Shephelah. This, this was a valley that's, that kind of was between these two, and you can kind of see on the, the map that was there. But right where in the middle of that Shephelah valley, on the other side of it, is Bethlehem and Jerusalem. See, the Philistines knew that if they were to conquer such a great nation, they couldn't just invade them, they had to divide them. So, they're exactly where this passage is talking about, the Philistines are marching their enemy or are marching their army right up the middle of them to divide them. It was a strategy. It was a great strategy. Saul finds out about it. He gets his men together quickly. They run down to that ridge. They're standing on that mountainside, and they put, uh, set up camp. Now, the problem is in Shephla, if they were to go down in that valley, you're a sitting duck. There, there's nowhere to hide. There's nothing to hide behind. So they were at a standstill. Both armies knew that they couldn't go any further. It was a tough spot. They get up with this idea that somebody has to do something 40 days, 40 nights, they send out this warrior to scream at them. And you say, oh, this is the story of David and Goliath. I've heard this my whole life. Don't tune me out. They send out a warrior to intimidate, to scream at them, to tell them lies, to just, just to do anything to get in their head. And you say, why did nobody want to fight Goliath? Why, why was it that this? You've got to understand what was at stake. And 1 Samuel 17, 9, if he'd be able to fight with me to kill me, then I will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. You see, what was going on is he said, if you lose, you're all our slaves. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, I would be willing to try a lot of things. And I'm sure all the guys on the sidelines were like, I'll go fight, but I'm not going to be the one that puts my children in bondage. I'm not going to mess this up. There's too much at stake, there's too many things happening. I'm not going to be the guy to blow it. And I'm sure for you, it would be easing in your mind just saying, I'm not the guy, or there's got to be somebody else better. There's other warriors, there's other people, but I'm not the guy. But here's the result of that. Verse 11, And Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. It said they were overwhelmed. They were not just afraid. The Bible says that they were greatly afraid. Terrified. You know what they were saying? We just, we're facing something. We can't, we can't do this. It's too big. It's too much. It's too strong. I can't do this. So they didn't. They stood there for 40 days, backed into corner. He realized what happened on this day. Generations and generations and generations would be affected by this. David shows up. David hears what's going on. He Goes before the king and his brothers are like, you are a crazy dude. And he says, no, I have to do this. He goes before the king. The king says, try on my armor. That's not going to work. David said, I have to do it my way. And David goes out and gets these stones. He runs out there. He confronts him. He said, you sent me a boy. And he says, I'm about to prove to you that we serve the living God. He took the stones. He knocked them down. He runs over. He cuts off his head. He drags his head back. It's a gruesome story. All of the Philistines run. The children of Israel run after him. They they, they attack them, then they go back and pillage their tents, and they come back, and all of a sudden, David goes from shepherd boy to a leader. And the Bible says that everything changed on that day because by the time you get to 18, chapter 18, verse 2, and it says, And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. He was no longer a shepherd boy. Like that! What happened in that instant? He goes from shepherd boy to a leader. I want to show you a lot of things that are happening in this passage that's so important about the spiritual opposition, about the enemy trying to divide us. And let me tell you, let me make a statement right now that is imperative for us to understand as Christians. It doesn't matter what happens on November 4th, we are still God's family. Did you guys hear me? Satan's goal is to divide. And I'm not up here trying to ask you what side you're on. We are on the Lord's side. I hope that is the bigger picture here. If that is not on your mindset, then we're in trouble big time. But I tell you what, Satan's goal is to divide us. And he rises up and he goes before us and he runs his mouth whether it's on TV or social media or news or whatever, to inflict fear on us, to run and retreat and give up. So what happened on this day that made all the difference? What made it to where that nation didn't go into slavery, but that nation moved forward? How to move forward? 1 Samuel 17, verse 14, and David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. Saul. But David went and returned from Saul and fed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now to thy brethren in Ephah and parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousands. And he looked how the brethren fare and take their pledge. David, he's a nobody. The Bible even emphasized he was the youngest of them. He was literally, he, he had an Uber Eats job on the sidelines. That's what he was doing. He was, he was doing Grubhub, okay? He's just, he's just running food around and doing these things. He, he has his little, he, he had the cheese wheels and the crackers and the cheese whiz and everything in this car. And he's showing up on this day just to be like, I'm looking for the thousands or the captain of the thousands. And I, I've got some cheese and is everything okay? And, you know, he's he's just He's the nobody. Nobody counted him as a nation maker, a nation shaker. He's a nobody. You need to understand that. Something's about to happen. See, David saw the light. He saw the army from a different perspective. He saw the war from a different perspective. He saw the enemy from a different perspective. It's amazing how God has people in here that are, are, are designed to do different things. God raises you up and God puts you in the right place at the right time. Not that the other ones weren't qualified or they weren't good, but this is who God needed at this particular time for this particular reason. David said in verse 29, What what have I now done? Is there not a cause? They were giving him grief over this. And he said, No, 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 there's something worse. There's something going on inside of me, and I can't just sit here. He was moved with conviction and stirred in his heart. Do you know how you move forward? Moving forward requires the next generation to rise up. Moving forward requires the next generation to rise up. It's great to hear that everything that God has done, but I'll tell you back 55 years ago, God rose up two leaders to lead us where we're at. But God doesn't stop there. Do you guys understand that our amens need to be as much talking about the next generation rise up as we thank God for how he has rose up or we don't have a future? Do you guys understand that? To pass the baton, to move the ministry forward, to continue that for future generations, all that we're talking about, because God's not done. See, to carry on the mission, God has blessed the next generation. David was a blessed generation. Young man, he had a great father. He had a great gig going on. He was he, he was raised in a great home. He had a great family, but God said, "I'm not done here." But David goes from the bleachers to a leader. See, we have no future if the next generation does not rise up to lead. The next generation doesn't understand that God doesn't just have you for the rest of your life delivering cheese to the battlefield. At some point. In order for the ministry to continue, for it to go strong and be what God wants it to be, you have to set down the cheese and pick up the stones. You guys get that? It's like I'm here just to do this part, and God says, that's great. I'm thankful. Thank you for the faithfulness. I'm glad you went to a one. I'm glad you went to the teen class. I'm glad you graduated. I'm glad. It's time to rise up. Here, I'm not done with you. And I've got a job in this spot, in this generation that I created you as a young man to do that no one else can do. And by the way, this is not speaking down to the older generation at all. I hope the older generation cheers us on as the younger generation rises up. It's not about pushing them out of the way. It's about us serving God together. We are a family and God is very specific about the gray hair having wisdom and the young people having the, the strength. But together we make something strong and without it we fail. We fail, we fail. But I, have a, I believe that a lot of times churches don't move forward for a bunch of reasons. And one of them is the fact that the younger generation is so consumed with their cheese and their crackers... That they don't have time or, or God's not doing enough in their heart to stir them up, to set that down, to pick up the sling and say something has to change. See, I know this is anniversary Sunday of thanking God for our past, but I'll tell you what, I'm excited about our future as well. And our future relies on what happens in this building right here. Let me show you some things that happened in this. This means no more excuses, because every one of those guys on the sidelines thought, not me, not me, not me, not me. The one that was least likely to do it was the guy that ends up doing it. Actually, when he runs out before them, Goliath was irritated. He said, did you bring me a boy? I was wanting one of those men out there to fight me. This isn't, he said, this is embarrassing. He came out here with sticks and stones. And, and why are you doing this? It's not the way that it's supposed to be. Let me tell you guys, every single one of us can stand on the sidelines going, not me, not me, not me, failure for our future with that with that mindset right there. Not me. We need life group leaders, not me, not me. We need deacons, not me, not me. We need future leaders, not me, not me. Why all of I'm just not good enough. I don't have the talents. I don't have abilities and God said goes to him and says, "You got a rock." Can you throw a rock? Yes, sir, I can. Well, I'll I'll change the nation with you. What's your excuse? I thank God for our leaders. But I tell you what, God has more in store for the future of our church. Here's the other thing that is so important, and this also requires the support of the brethren. Something happened in here, and I'm not saying this because there's issues or anything like that. I'm really just trying to explain the text. It says in verse 20, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Do you see the sarcasm there? He says, "What, what are you up to? Like five sheep that dad's put you in charge of? Yeah, okay, those few sheep that you have. Did you leave them with somebody? I just wanted to make sure. Now go away and get out of our way. Later he says, you're full of yourself and he begins to explain all these things. I can tell you right now, a lot of churches fail because one generation doesn't support the next generation. I tell you what, the biggest cheerleader I've ever had in my life is sitting right there. That's Mrs. Denoff. She's backed me up and I'll get phone calls from her at the time that God knows that I need the phone calls from her because I'm discouraged or I'm frustrated or whatever, and she'll call just to say, I love you, I am praying for you. Do you understand that words matter from the brethren? David was about to go out and do something that was going to blow their mind because it was way different than any of them ever thought to bring down the giant. And all he got from the brethren was ridicule and frustration and, and just throwing out stuff at him just to make him feel discouraged. And I'm not even saying this out. I'm just telling you, Satan loves to divide. And it's so important that we understand that that's exactly what was happening in this passage right here. But let me explain what's going on. There had to be somebody to rise up. And God said, I am bringing somebody to this place to do something different. And it is important that I'm talking to the people right now. And especially the younger generation. God has a plan for our church and it requires the younger generation to rise up. Thank God for the generations and the years that you had in Awana and teen class and even then I'm telling you that generation can rise up. There is no generation that God can't use in the middle of a church. None whatsoever. But at the same time there comes a place in your life that God brings you to a transition from carrying cheese to throwing stones. This enemy is out there. It's crazy to imagine what they're seeing. It's easy to say, "Well, I would have ran out there and did that." This champion was something that was somewhat of a mystery. I mean, I know that they had giants; it wasn't a normal thing that was going on in there. He was about like nine foot six, is what a lot of people estimate that he was. He he, he came out there with this this image of scaring them to death. It, it was an obstacle that seemed to be impossible. But let me show you what happens in verse 46. David runs out there and says, This day the Lord will deliver thee into my hand. (laughs) You think about what David did. He runs up and he says, I'm gonna tell you right now, you are going down today. This is your last day to live. You say, How is that? Because God told him so. Do you understand that while we're building and going forward with this are the promises of God? That God said that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. God said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. God has promised us. Yeah. But we're standing on the sidelines, sitting there, and every single one of them saying, Man, God is able. Is God able? God could do this. God could do this. And David said, Yeah, God can do this. You know what separated David for the rest of them? You ready for this? Hey, move forward. I'll tell you what, I love the songs that we sang how great is our God. We praise the great I am, but I'm going to tell you right now, if that's nothing more than a song to you, you'll never experience the greatness of our God. It's got to be more than a song. You see, the thing that you have to understand is faith is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. If you are waiting to step out on faith when things make sense, you never will make a move. You'll never set down the cheese. You'll never pick up the stones. You'll never make a move. You'll never run out to the enemy. Because here it is. Goliath represented something that was bigger than them. Goliath represented something that every one of those guys said, I have no idea how we're going to do this. It's impossible. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. I don't know how we're going to do this. I can't figure it out. Faith is moving forward when you don't have it figured out. I love the testimony, a pastor saying on that. He said, we came here with nobody, no plans, no money, nothing. We just knew that God sent us here. But look at, did, did God have a plan? Absolutely. A lot of times we're waiting for God just to lay it all out before you. But you know what? When God crossed the, or God split the Jordan is when they stepped into the Jordan. We have to take those steps of faith in this and faith is uncomfortable. Do you think Daniel was comfortable when he was thrown in the lion's den? Do you think Peter was comfortable when he got out of the boat and walked on the water? Absolutely not. And a lot of times we're waiting to volunteer to serve or to step up because you're saying, I'm just uncomfortable. Well, guess what? You're in the perfect spot for what God wants to do. Because faith is uncomfortable. But I'll tell you this, it takes faith to bring down giants. Everything that we're facing, and I'll tell you, the world is Wicked. I know people are going crazy about this Netflix um, thing and them making this like child porn stuff that's coming out and everybody boycotting it. I'm going to tell you guys, that's just the beginning. Do you guys get? I'm not trying to be negative at all. I'm just saying when we sat there and talked about all the issues and saying what's coming next, and we see this, I'm like, what? It's just the beginning. I, I, I'm telling you, there's gonna be different giants that they're gonna be like, whoa, that's new. Where did that dude come from? What is that one called, Goliath? I'll tell you what, there's gonna be more giants coming out in the field, and we're gonna be like, whoa, well, we can't do that one. Let me tell you, any giant that faces our God can come down, any giant. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how culture changes. It doesn't matter how they ban churches or worship or they attack us. It doesn't matter, our God is greater. You've got to understand that it's faith that brings down giants. In Hebrews eleven thirty-two, it lists a bunch of people's names. David's name is one of them, talking about their faith. And then it says this, Who, through faith, subdued kingdoms, brought righteousness, obtained promises, Stop the mouths of lions. Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Wax violent in fight. Turn the flight of the armies of the aliens. Said over and over again, let me tell you, every great thing that God did was through a step of faith. We will never, we will never we will never experience greater things of Fellowship Baptist Church or in your own life until you take a step of faith that is uncomfortable. If our vision for our church does not scare us, our vision is not big enough. If we ever say we've got this when we're not nervous or we're not nervous about the next step, it's not big enough because it's not about what I can handle. It's about trusting in what he can handle. I'm going to just ask you this. I'm asking all, everybody here, I'm asking everybody that's watching online, just answer this question. When's the last time you took a step of faith? And I, I, I think about the, this morning that most of the people that we had in the, the earlier service was uh, those that are 55 and older, we have that service just for them. And I'm thankful for their faithfulness. And man, when I was saying 50 and 40 and 30 years, it was most of the uh, audience that was here. But I'm going to tell you this. It's going to take our generation being faithful too if we're ever going to move forward. That means that it's going to require our generation taking steps of faith to give to God in the tithe. And everybody goes, well, somebody else will do it. No, it's our turn to rise up and lead. We've got to be the servants. We've got to be the deacons. We've got to be the, the, the leaders to step out on faith to do these things. And can't be the attitude. Somebody else will do that. If that was true, Goliath would have taken them down. When's the last time you took a step of faith? The Bible says in this passage, forty days they stared at his armor. In chapter seventeen, verse five through seven, it describes. The weight of the head of that spirit it describes his, his armor, his shield, the size of his sword. I mean, it goes through all those things. You guys have read it. We talk about, we'll, we'll teach David and Goliath, and we'll sit there and build up that story about how massive Goliath was and how, 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 how powerful his armor was. And the, the idea was, and now listen to this, and this is a big thing that I want to get across. They were just strategizing, saying, in our abilities, we have nothing to penetrate that. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Goliath, they, they literally said, this is why nobody did. If your sword is this big and his sword is twice as big and he just, every person that walked up, he would just be bam, bam. He'd you know, just be like, you're dead, you're dead. There was nothing they can do. It wasn't just a matter of the fact that, there's, that they, they didn't want to fight him. They didn't have the strategy, the equipment to bring him down. Goliath, even his reach of his height could knock them down before he even got close to swing the sword. You see, their method at the time was not able to bring down Goliath, and God knew that. Because listen, God knew that everything that they had on the sidelines was not what was needed to bring down Goliath. So David shows up with a different talent, a different ability. Long distance sniper. (laughs) They're like, whoa, you throw rocks? Well, we can't. No, you don't understand. I can bring that dude down and never even have to get into that location. Well, son, that's a problem because we've never done it that way before. We don't throw rocks, we swing swords. Saul was so passionate about this in verse 38, and Saul armed David with his armor and put on a helmet of brass upon his head and he armed him with uh, him with a coat of mail and David girded his sword upon his armor and essayed to go. Saul was simply saying, all right, son, come here. Let me show you how it's done. This is how we do it. Here's my sword. Here's my shield. Here's this thing. I need you to, this is how you do, this is how you win battles. David turned around and he said, and David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. David was not being rebellious. David was just simply saying, this is not what God's called me to do to fight this battle. Put it like this, moving forward involves change. It's so uncomfortable, I even say that and it's like, it's like, where's he going? Verse 40 and he took his staff in his hand and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling, which he had in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. See, God gave him the tools and the method and the talent that was exactly needed for that time to bring down the giant. This method was different, but it was the exact thing needed for that exact moment to do what God wanted to do. If he would have gone in the method that Saul told him to do, he would have been a casualty and not a victor. The Bible says in verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistines with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Have you ever wondered why God emphasizes that? Because God said, I didn't want to bring him down with a sword. I wanted to bring him down with a rock because a rock was a method needed in that moment to accomplish what God had planned for them to do. I'll tell you this. We have been through a lot of stuff. Here's what I'm saying. Crazy stuff. And I would have never thought that I would go three months preaching to a camera. I would have never thought. But those cameras was God's stone to reach those people at that time and I fought against it right now it's the first Sunday that we don't have the TVs up here because we have a whole new system that is allowing us to go online and do more than we've ever been able to do before because God changed some things seven years ago God took Pastor Dent off home it's not what I would have wanted but that man heard the words well done thou good and faithful servant God made changes to continue reaching this generation. There's going to be things that God does that's not going to make sense to us. But I've realized this, that God always has a plan and God's always working. David stood there that day going out to war and standing on that sideline not having a clue what was going to happen. But God's speaking to his heart. I don't know what God said to his heart. I don't. But imagine it being something like this. I'm for you. I'm for you. I'm for you. Not against you. I am for you. I don't care what is out there. I'm gonna tell you this: God is for you. He is for you. He's for you. He's for this church. He is for the next generation. He is for reaching souls and changing lives. God is doing great things in the midst of a big mouth enemy screaming at us. God said, I just need a generation to rise up and shut his mouth. Use what God has given you. He said, I'm not like Saul. Don't be a Saul, be a David. Be who you are set down the cheese you gotta set aside the crackers you've you've gotta leave the snack cart there on the sidelines to pick up the weapon that God's called you to do to make a difference for this generation it's gonna take this generation to stand up and that doesn't mean for a second that doesn't mean for a second listen to everybody online and here it doesn't mean for a second that God's done with anybody God doesn't retire his people God takes them home when they're ready. But I'll tell you, even if you're at the end of your life and all you can do is encourage, then encourage and pray and support. But don't be that brother on the sidelines saying, what are you doing? Nobody wants you here. Go do something else. God has a plan. Right now in this moment, a dear sister of ours, Letha Kinneman, is on the edge of death saying maybe maybe 24 to 48 hours, not sure how much longer she has. Faithful servant in our church. We're saying goodbye. It's awful, it stinks. She will enter into the gates of glory, hearing, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've ran the race, you finished the course. And I'm telling you, back on this earth, back here, left behind, God raises at that moment, says David it's time for you to leave the cart and I need you to come with me. Do you get it? Do you get it? Stop making excuses because some of you need to leave the cart and start following God and pick up the stones that he's called you to do because he's going to do something more and he's not done yet.